This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one fuckboy. The number one fuckboy. The number one fuckboy. The number one fuckboy. The number one fuckboy, Johnny G. Joining me as always in the High and Mighty studios is my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabris. Arthur, give him a shout out. He's currently locked out because he's getting gathering toys for our guests. Also joining me in the High and Mighty Studios, you know him from The Tick, from the podcast Blank Check, from the Comedy Central digital series Strong Island. Hell yeah, number uh, one credit. This is his third time appearance on, third time appearing on High and Mighty. Some would say he's family. Oh. I got Griffin <laughs> I just got chills from you saying family. I also realized that I, my my big move these days is to weasel my way into a podcast with some sort of like this is my role. Yeah, <laughs> where I'm then worked into having to come back. Right. You're saying you're like the guys back in the day when they would do extra work and be like, actually, I think the neighbor's going to eventually talk. You know, right, or like right, the guest. Right. Whenever you're a guest star, you're yeah. like, well, if I work in the office, eventually. they could bring me back. Yeah. Right. There are all those barflies and shears who start talking a lot season nine. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, they just put in the hours. <laughs> this is going to happen to right, me I was on playing podcast. my flag and I was like, well, what about every Fast and Furious movie? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm glad to have you on because uh, we're going to have this conversation off. I mean, we had it mostly over we, text already. We did, we did some texting and we were going to try to do this like a month or two ago. Right. Um, we do live on opposite coasts we and do. I prefer not to Skype. Same here. Yeah. Don't like it. Yeah. Uh, we got We got to have this, the, the energy face, face. We're between us. But <laughs> we did the quick text to see, and I feel like we're on a pretty similar page about this, which is- It was funny. Like I was nervous to text you my I feelings. I was nervous to text you because I was like, I don't want to be a downer. Yeah. Same, same. I was like, yeah. did you see it yet? <laughs> and I felt like this one in particular was interesting in that like there were people I know who I love- very close, important people in my life who are like, it's bullshit. It's a one, it's a garbage movie. I went into it being like, I don't know. It's gotta be at least it's the, my two favorite parts from totally. uh, uh, fast and the furious. But then I also have people in my life who are like, it's great. It's perfect. It's ridiculous. It's everything I want. Yes. I'm, we're talking Hobbs and Shaw. We're talking this, F, if you can't, if you haven't F read ampersand F colon <laughs> H ampersand S. <laughs> Or it's F ampersand F P. Oh, right. Colon. colon. They're cordially <laughs> presenting to us, Miss, uh, Messrs. Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, this, this movie, this was a movie that I, one of the most exciting at announcements for me. Yeah. Because as any listener of this podcast or any of any time I'm talking out loud, period, knows <laughs> I'm a huge Fast and the Furious fan. I love it. Right. Huge. Chance. Five reinvigorate. I love all the originals. Yeah. Five reinvigorated me in a new yeah. way. And I'm still holding on four more movies later somehow. Totally. I, we're, we're getting ready on blank check. We're going to, uh, you know, at the beginning of 2020, do our best of the decade. Cause we do every year we do like an annual awards episode where we pick our awards for the best of the year. Oh yeah. And we're like, let's do the 2010s. So I've started, of course, like a lunatic six months out, like <laughs> hashing out my categories in my list. Cause I have to like <laughs> review everything I've seen over the last decade. And I keep on drafting lists. And there's that like balance of like, 
you know, this part of me wants to like impress people and I want to have like enough heady entries on there. Right. You want to be like, like uh, people look to me for my movie taste. Diverse me- representation, different genres and yeah. like get some foreign films in there and other things. And then every time I look at it, I'm like, if Fast Five isn't in my top 10, I'm lying. Right. <laughs> it's true. I mean, in terms of favorites, unquestionably, even if I'm just sitting down and going, what are the 10 for me? best works of cinema of the 2010s. I think I'm lying to myself if I pretend that I don't in my heart of hearts believe Fast Five is in that conversation. And not to mention, like, that's not even, that's just on a subjective level, but like Fast Five sort of did something to movies that needed to happen That's alongside my other thing. the That's same That's that balance of just like, I'm like, it feels like one of the most important films of the last decade. I was hesitant to use that word in what I was just saying. I truly was like, how do I say this without calling Fast Five important? But it but is. But you're right. I, well, this, is the pod, this is the conversation this is where the conversation. we could say that. Right. I thought the movie was so important, especially as Marvel movies were blowing up totally. at the same time. And it sort of went like, we could still make big, fun action movies with characters that you now are rep- repeated, but are wholly original. At least you know they what's crazy. I'm 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 double checking this in my brain. I believe Fast Five was 2011, which is the same year as Thor and Captain America. Shit, it's like the year that MCU starts crystallizing. Because you have Iron Man and Hulk in the same year. Right. Then Iron Man 2, like, shits the bed, like, two Oof, years later. Yeah. And then that was the year where they were like, it's all or nothing. Like, these right. two movies are coming out. Avengers is in production. Right. And I remember oh. people being like, is this going to fucking work? And then Fast Five's out there going, like, remember the Fast and the Furious franchise? Right. But, like, now we realize it's like... Why is it Point Break with cars when it could be any movie totally. we want with cars on top of totally. it? Totally. <laughs> and and that thing of like, we, we talked about this in a three hour episode, but <laughs> Fast Five acting like, somehow making it feel like you're watching the culmination of a very carefully planned narrative when right. you know it was entirely <laughs> retrofitted. Right, right, like right. There's the moment in Fast Five when, when Dom says like, we're going to need a good crew and they start running through like we're going to need a fast talk we're going to need a tech guy and with each one there's like the slow tilt up from their shoes to their head (laughs) introduction (laughs) and I saw the Times Square and the audience just burst into applause every introduction and not only that when they started describing them when it was like we need a wheel man yeah we know yeah right they would just go like Roman or they say Han Han was the wheel man (laughs) right right Roman was the fast fast talker talker. Tej is the tech guy Tej uh, went from Tej is my favorite story in the fast franchise he went from the guy who put like spoilers on cars to the number one or two hacker in the world because now Ramsey's the best tech hacker right so he's kind of like that he's just like top level yeah. but not the number one. He's now like gear guy. He's yes. like gone to gear guy. Because that was the thing. He was originally like a body shop guy. Right? That's who, how they like, knew him. To promote his business would drop the flag on street races. Right? Now he's the, he's like, now we have to, we have to ping these five different satellites. You're it like, is amazing. Chris Ludacris Bridges, what are you doing? The fact that every character in the franchise has now become the absolute top of their field. I know. It's, in the world. Is, from just the training they received in the last five movies with Dom. (laughs) Right. There's the moment in eight when he says, you're looking at the best 
team in the world right. make us an offer and you believe it you go you have sold me on this being and I'm like the best team be in the world like SEAL Team 6 is like hey fuck you guys <laughs> alright sorry we don't know a neutral drop of yeah. muscle car but that was that thing like especially now that you have like everyone's trying to replicate the Marvel thing and they try to plan it out from the get go and it usually feels like it's being force fed down yeah. your throat. The uh, the King Arthur movie with right. uh, uh, Charlie Hunnam, really, which, which was pitched as what if Merlin isn't in it? What if Lancelot isn't in it? Because all of them are going to get their own separate films later. Where you go, like, why the fuck do I want to watch <laughs> a King Arthur movie without Merlin? You yeah. assholes, give me the thing I want. But Fast and Furious is this thing that feels like it was willed into existence by the public by no one's design. I. Agree. And the mythology has become so rich and it has become, I mean, we're just regurgitating the things we always say about right. it. But like, let's catch people up in case they don't want to listen right. to the other five and a half hours of content we right. put out on right. this podcast alone. Right. Yeah. It's the thing that's so exciting about the John Wick franchise too now, where you're like, this is a franchise that came out of the dirt. Right. Like this could have just as easily flopped and like people kind of found it and it feels like a franchise that is in conversation with its fans where they're constantly taking the temperature of like, oh, that's what you want more of? Oh, you like? Oh, you like the world building in right, John Wick. We right. got you. Wait till you hear about the right. high table. Right, <laughs> right. And they're like, you love the melodrama of Fast and Furious. Like yeah. more like- And I, I, I didn't even know I liked that part. Right. Until, you know, when I found out, when it crystallized for me, when I watched Hobbs and Shaw- and it didn't have yeah. the melodrama. And I yes. go, what is this movie lacking? Because a lot of my complaints about Hobbs and Shaw, you can easily slide over and just throw that on Fast 8 as well. But, of but just like, yes. The thing that we both agreed on, and it was like we were like texting it at the same time and the text <laughs> arrived. We're like, it's a really fun action movie. It's a terrible Fast and Furious movie. Yes. We both yes. had the exact same take, which it's is like. That part of us can enjoy this film in a bunch of ways. Through the prism of Fast and Furious, it's a little worrying, especially since eight was a dip. Right, right. And I'm like, please win this back. Please yeah. win me back. Win win it win control back. Right. And especially because in that time, John Wick two and three have just like delivered above and beyond. Right. Where there's a part of me that's like, fuck, did they grab the torch? Are they running with it now? And Fast Five and John Wick. A Fast Five obviously had four movies of right. of backstory, yeah. but Fast Five sort of solidified. And something I noticed, you using John Wick pointed this out to me, is like those two movies have the sort of throwback, look, we're not going to have a girl that you arbitrarily fall in love. Right. I mean, the Fast Five does yeah. have all the weird family drama, but the action parts but are that's just the like- thing. It's also like Fast and Furious doesn't have like love interest. They have like naughty, like yeah. heavy, <laughs> yeah, it's like all dramatic like- long-term love interest. Like, <laughs> right, like right. long-term like relationships rather. It's yes, not it's never yes. about like someone like trying to get some. Right. There's no like, oh, here's the girl for this movie. Right, it's right. Like, I hope my hero gets the girl. It's like, we know he loves Letty. It's, tr- it's <laughs> Dom trying to remind Letty two movies later that they secretly got married. Right, right. You know, it's like so- so much about like the blood ties between these people. Yes. And I, and I fucking love that. Yeah. And I think John Wick to John Wick also has this, like, it's sort of a throwback action movie in that it's like, yeah, we know that it's violent and yeah. and silly almost arguably, yeah. but that's what you guys want. And it, after doing the pod, podcast action boys for two years, like watching all these nights, I'm like, this is why I like John Wick so much. This is why I like, you know, the raid so much because yeah. they're just going like, 
we know what action movies are. Here's right. fucking Bloodsport. Let's just, well, and, yeah. And here's the other thing. Like, the soul of John Wick is Keanu. That is in such good dialogue with Keanu. Yes. And his, like, star qualities and his history. And it's built, like, to succeed because, like, they're like, look, it's funny if John Wick's right. thing is that he's, like, a little wooden, a little old. Right. Total kind of haunting badass. Right. And, but also sort of a plain dude yeah right but like i i like genuinely like on the same sort of coin and like as of this moment he would be one of my five best actor contenders because yeah i you kind of can't deny that performance and like keanu has always been a guy who's like very powerful and has a lot of like big achilles heels right right (laughs) and i feel like he has just cut all of them out like he has like over decades figured out everything that he is like above and beyond good at like better than anyone else at the planet and now like does roles that don't ask him to do any of the things that are not in his wheelhouse yeah i will say it's pretty awesome to watch him i just rewatched john wick three the other day it's pretty awesome to watch and be like this dude's like 50 something yeah and he's he's like 56 he's wildly physical right and it's almost like i I just rewatched point break uh, yeah uh this week too and i'm like this is the key that we should have been making this with Keanu yes. more. This right. is like the, these are the Keanu movies. Now like, the thing I like about Keanu is I feel like he didn't rest on his laurels and he spent decades pushing himself. Right. And trying shit like the lake house and right. fucking And a lot of times shit. embarrassing himself. Right. But like, uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola says when, when there was some interview, he did like a career retrospective interview and they were asking him about Dracula. And that's like, that's Keanu's worst performance. Yeah, that's like the disaster, right? That's like the the Hindenburg in his career, where like that accent is just like impossible, and he's not believable in that time period. Any of that, and Francis Ford Coppola says like I take full responsibility for that. Like he's innately modern, and I should have known that like that we weren't going to beat him that out of him. Shit, I never even heard that expression, but it makes sense for Keanu. Right, and he was like, I, I that was on me. Like I will say. I have never, ever had an actor who worked harder than Keanu did every single day on Dracula because he knew it wasn't working and he was trying so hard to figure it out. Oh. And he was just not right for that part and I shouldn't have hired him. Oh. Like he was a big name and he wanted to do it, but I should have like known that he couldn't. Right. That's oh. not. That's on me and not on him. And then John Wick is just so perfectly he throwback like and modern. He sits down with his stunt double friends and is like, let's build the perfect machine for me right and then also like the the sort of like you can write your own narrative to the backstory of the movie where it's like it's the stunt and kung fu guys from the matrix the martial arts guys and the stunt guys from the matrix and he's working closely with them for three years yes and one movie is very good and then two more movies are made and he's just like he's like guys what can we do like let's do something like the matrix but like what if we did it more real. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And like, quote unquote, we just right. did it in the real world. Would right. people buy it? And uh, But also that it gained so much power from like, Keanu was like so down and out at that moment in his career. Like he was like dead. Like no way he's coming back this time. The fucking line from the trailer is, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Right. And it's like, it's fucking meta. It's everything you want. So yeah. this is the connection I want to make. Okay. You realize watching Hobbs and Shaw. And I'm biased, I'm in the bag, he's my guy. But it was not clear to me until watching Hobbs and Shaw how much a Fast and Furious movie is reliant on Vin Diesel. 
And I like Too Fast a lot, and I like Tokyo Drift a lot, but for all intents and purposes, the thing that they crystallized in five, you realize is weirdly tied to whatever his weird fucking movie star thing is. I, this is what we, we texted it. Cause I felt the same. I was like, I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud, yeah. but I miss Vin Diesel. You, it, team Vin. Like, right. Because they were, it was such a feud for them because the only reason Hobbs and Shaw exists is because Vin and The Rock don't want to be in the same scene anymore. Right. Fate is written around the idea of getting them, keeping them apart for an entire movie. Like the whole reason Dom turns bad in Fate yes, is, is so you can get- like make The Rock feel like he's the hero because he gets to lead the team now. Right. Right, right. And Vin is completely separate in other scenes. In Vin's mind, he's doing like this complicated actor work of being right. a villain and shit like that. Right. And now I'm like, you really need Vin, and it might be for the better that The Rock is off on his own ship now. I think like, you're I'm right. I'm more excited for Nine now maybe cutting Hobbs and Shaw and letting them go on their own side. Right, because I think it made enough money that they'll do HS2, totally. Electric Boogaloo or whatever. Right. But- Fast and Furious presents, Hobbs and Shaw's present. <laughs> Dark fate. The, the story. Yeah. The story of just uh, Vanessa Kirby. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but but there is that thing to Vin Diesel, which is he is so achingly sincere. There is something so embarrassingly earnest about Vin Diesel, which is what I love about him. Right. For how much sort of posturing there is, for how much he knows he's playing this like absurd sort of like parody of machismo. Right. 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 Which I, he totally knows what he's doing because he has been good in good movies where he's playing a real human being. (laughs) And to devalue what he's doing in the Fast and the Furious movies is to not give him credit for being very canny about what those movies need. The way Chris Evans portrays Captain America as like pro-freedom or like, hey, this isn't the American way or whatever, that's Dom but family. Right. And it's just like, Dom is like the dad. Like it's all, they say- I'm getting chills coming up. Yeah. You're talking about this. Yeah. They say like Taken is like the dad fantasy movies right. of like, I'm a dad. You fuck with my daughter. I can do anything right. I want because I'm an old strong man. Right, right, right. But Dom Toretto is the ultimate like f- patriarchal figures. Like I look out for everyone. Yeah. I put these other people before me, right. you know, and like it's just not a it's not an angle you see in a lot of heroes and a no. lot of protagonists of films. Yeah. No, there, he's, he's a weirdly emotional action star. Yes. And emotional in a very soft way. And when he cries and he's fucking right. funny and crazy. And but it's, but it's also, it's like this character is so defined by how much he openly cares about such a large number of other people. Yeah. It's like up to 14 people that mean everything to him. now. Right. And so many action stars are like the haunted loner. Right. You right. know, and there's something ab- about that, that like when people go like, oh, they like lay it on so thick with the family thing. But it's like the reason it works is because you believe that he means it. Like even yeah. if it is overwrought when Vin Diesel talks about family, yeah. you believe When it. he's in white capri pants with a Corona right. <laughs> and a, a hemp necklace. Holding I, it by the neck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and you know, if you want to ascribe the like the the Keanu-esque meta narrative power to it, I think it is. Here's Vin Diesel. He's like a, an actor who can't get arrested, right? For years and years and years is doing theater, 
Like, I mean, I, I've watched every Vin Diesel video I could possibly can, but there's the video of him at the New York Toy Fair where he's the actor hired to present the, the Street Sharks line for 1992. Oh. And he's going, this round mound of pound. <laughs> and he's like explaining all the action features. There's videos of him doing like VHS instructional breakdancing yep, tapes. Yeah, I've seen those, yeah. He's doing like theater. He's I been, watched Man Apart the other night. Right. Yeah. He makes his own short film that gets into con. Steven Spielberg sees it and hires him to be in Saving Private Ryan and like anoints him and he becomes like a Hollywood character actor, sort of tough guy, boiler room and everything. And then Fast and Furious is like, uh, Timothy Oliphant was the first choice. That's who they wanted. He was like a last minute, like, I guess we could hire Diesel. This guy was good in Pitch Black. Like they had just made Pitch Black. Oh, yeah. And he like slides in there and just immediately movie star, right? Like the the moment the movie comes out. You had me. You never had me like right. that spiel. The fucking the pose he's in is burned in my head. It's like right. Christ, what's the line at the end after he they jump over the train tracks and the car spins like barrels over <laughs> oh, yeah. and it lands right side up and Paul Walker runs up to him and the camera like pans over to him just sitting staring off into the middle distance and he mm. says, yeah, I "Saw that going a little differently." <laughs> And I was just like, this guy's a, like, I remember being like 12 and going home to my dad and being like, this guy's a movie star, Vin Diesel, like buy stock, you know, there's something, you'd, be, you'd be fucking rich yeah, if you bought stock in Vin here. Diesel then, but then he, you'd be even richer if you bought stock in Vin Diesel in between Fast and the Furious 2 yes. and 5. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. So then he's like, I'm too big for Fast and Furious. Smell you later. I'm out of here. Triple X. Right. Does triple X. Triple X does really well. And then he's like, I'm too big for triple X. Fuck you, smell you later. So he's like set up two big franchises that then both start to like flatline without him. Right. And then he flatlines. And there's this line I think about all the time. I might have said this in one of the our previous eight hour episodes. <laughs> but when Babylon AD came out, which is the nadir of Vin Diesel. Oh, right. 2008 is the year before Fast and Furious ampersand, the fourth one. Uh, and it's his last like non- Fast and Furious vehicle before he comes back to the franchise. And the review said, Vin Diesel, in parentheses, who for our younger readers was briefly a movie star in the early 2000s. Ouch. And I was like, that is brutal. It's 2008. Oh. And they're making a joke about it, but also- They're not wrong. They're not wrong. Like, oh, it's crazy that you don't know who he is right now, but also completely understandable. He just squandered it, like yeah, totally, yeah. right? Oh, like he went big on Riddick. Like Riddick wasn't what people wanted. He thought that was going to be his franchise. He'd left the other two behind. Yeah. And then um, they were like, should we do Fast and Furious, like home video? Like they were going to go direct to video. And they did, was like, do one final one, original cast, bring it out. And he was apparently so instrumental in being like, these are the things we need to bring into play. Like it's family. Like, set the original. he came back as a producer too, right? Totally. Yeah, yeah. And like all of their careers were done. Like all of them had had their like bump after Fast and Furious. And like Michelle Rodriguez, Paul Walker, Jordan Brewster, Vin Diesel were all kind of flat. Right. And so there's something about the power of like these four people returning. Yeah, it's like Ocean's Eleven. And being like, like <laughs> we, we realize how much we mean to each other and how much the audience cares about seeing these characters together again. Yes, yes. And it works and it becomes like the guiding mantra of the whole thing. <laughs> Dude, I never, and also all this talk about Vin lined up next to Keanu. Yes. I, I'm not going to try to pick my favorite of the two, but there is an element to the two of them that really makes you 
you put them side by side in a way where it's like they're wildly capable. They're easily parodied. Yeah, yeah. They're easy to shit so on. You can easily. mock the hell right, out of them. Right. Their careers are wildly all over the place. Sometimes they fucking belly flop. Yeah, and like, but yeah. right now they're in some of my favorite films. Right. Which is like right. insane to say. They're just in the They've pocket. been in some of my favorite films. Right. They've in between, and now they are in some of my favorite films. In between, they were in some of the hottest garbage right. to be released. But it's that thing where like Keanu saying yeah is one of the most effective weapons in cinema. Yes. In the same way that a close-up of Vin Diesel is like worth a bajillion dollars. Right, just like right. a close up of him, like squinting his eyes and grimacing. Yes. It's just like a special effect. Oh, don't fast forward through this ad. I know why you're listening to High and Mighty. It's to hear me talk about my underwear. Ooh, and you know who makes my underwear and who makes my socks and who makes my sweatpants? Girl. Boy, everyone else, all genders, all people, but mostly uh, men, because these uh, underwear are f uh, for men now. Mac Weldon, fam. You know I'm talking about Mac Weldon. It's the smart design, the premium fabrics. It's the simple shopping. Honestly, the website is super simple. I know it sounded like I was reading the copy there, but that was all off the dome. The website is super simple, and the clothes are mad comfy. The underwear fits me great, and I have a very weird body. Hopefully, your weird body, it works on them, too. Um, I love the underwear. I love the short socks. You know, I wear them because I'm wearing shorts every day. So, I, you know, I don't want to go for that. Like I listen to sublime and ride a weird bike and I love IPAs like SoCal look with like the mid calf sock. So I go with the no seams with the little, and it's got a little piece of rubber in the heel. So it stays in there and it's not uncomfortable at all. I'm telling you, it keeps your sock where you want it to be rules. Um, sweatpants. I fly in Mack Weldon sweatpants cause they look cool as hell and they look like real pants, but they're cozy sweatpants. Enough about me. This is how you get it. Go to MacWeldon.com and enter promo code mighty and you'll get 20% off your first order. Uh, MacWeldon.com promo code mighty M I G H T Y. Please do yourselves a favor. It works wonders. I feel comfortable. I look good. And my confidence is through the roof. Thanks, Mr. Weldon. So let's run, jump over to Hobbs and Shaw. We don't have that look. So we both text each other and go like, I think there's a bit of a rock problem. I, I, I have, I've expressed this before on other uh, podcasts, but I have rock fatigue. Currently. I am really, really burnt out now. And I, not only that, it's starting to leave a bad taste in my mouth. I'm starting to like things. I uh, like things less that I already like. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I don't even want to see the rock in this. And there's, it's tied to this thing of him needing to be everything all at once. That, that, unlike Vin, who takes risks, if I can say, right? Who does yes. weird, embarrassing shit in the same way Keanu does. Yeah. And makes decisions that make no strategic sense. Right. Right? The Rock feels like he's put together by like a brain trust at totally. CAA or whatever. Right. Yeah. So like the key to Vin Diesel for me is him publishing the Facebook video of him doing Rihanna at karaoke. Like that's, <laughs> that's the key text for me, Right. That just makes him so much a guy you worked with once that right. it, 
he, it, I almost want to say, cause I think Vin is low key. One of the smartest businessmen I working. Too. He might like, he might know that this will make me seem like every man or he might not. And might genuinely just be sort of like enough of a right. Joe blow that is that's- he a savant or is he a genius? Right. right. Either right. way, <laughs> you can't deny how effective he is. And you contrast that with like, the other thing was like, Vim was like the first celebrity who was really using Facebook, like right. really doing outreach, like pre Twitter, pre Instagram. And he's very, very fan oriented. Totally. In a way that feels like, I mean, I'm obsessed with it, but happy creative Sunday is like yes. the most insane running Toretto thing. Tuesday. <laughs> Every Tuesday is Toretto Tuesday. There, here, uh, I'll, I, again, I talk about this on so many different podcasts, but Sylvester Sloan's IG yeah. is so wonderful because he's so earnest on it. So th that's the thing. Vin is kind of Stallone adjacent, exactly. right? Exactly. That's exactly what I was getting at. He's, he's earnest in a way that is one step away from humiliating, but for the time being is wonderfully like relatable. And they also both have like the I'm an artiste thing. Yeah. And like I, I have grand ambitions. I'm like a notor. I've written stuff. I've directed stuff. Like I, <laughs> I'm like putting my heart and soul into yeah, this. I care about movies. My friend, like right. the way Stallone will post a pic, like someone did a drawing of like Rambo and right. he's like, you know, a lot of people say, you know, Rambo could do a lot. You know, right. that's very sweet that someone would draw. And like, right. like he's a painter and fucking Vin Diesel's right. a dancer. Like, it's right. fucking wild. Uh, a couple quick side tangents here. Uh, I, I met someone who I will not out who is uh, a, a major cast member in the Fast and Furious franchise. Oh. Who I was, was at an event I was at and like went up to her people and was like, please, 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 please. I'm such a big Fast and Furious fan. Um and uh, I, I, they brought me over to her and I just was like, can I ask you a bunch of Vin Diesel questions? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm a big fan of your work. I love your character. But can I please ask you a bunch of Vin Diesel questions? And this person said to me, um, A, like, so incredibly loyal. Like, they didn't want to hire me. He was the one who fought for me. Kept me under his wing. Like, flies out every year for my birthday, regardless of where I am. <laughs> like, if I'm filming somewhere, he'll, like, show up unannounced for my birthday. Like, all this sort of stuff. Um, but also said, uh, he has a microphone in every room of his home, just like a wireless microphone sitting somewhere on a table in every room of his home. And they asked him why. And he said, cause I love to sing. And then he picked it up and hit a button and just started singing Sinatra <laughs> that his house is rigged so that for his own enjoyment, much like presumably his gym room where he can stay limber, you know, and bulk yeah. up for the next role. He just at any time is just, fly me to the moon. <laughs> that makes me like him so much totally. more. Totally. Yeah. And The Rock would not, I don't think has anything that weird in his personality. The Rock is the homecoming king who thinks what he's doing is, is like right. cheeky and embarrassing, but really it's like, corny school play shit. It's when people go like, I'm such a dork. I used to watch Ninja Turtles when I was a kid. Yeah. And you're exactly. like, that doesn't make you a, a dork. You watched at the age that everyone watched it. <laughs> right, right. I'm like well, such a nerd. I used to love Rugrats. <laughs> we talk about that a lot on Action Boys where people are like, dude, I'm such a nerd. My favorite movies are all the top 10 grossing <laughs> right. films of all time. It's like, <laughs> I'm such a big dork. Like I loved Endgame. Yeah. I saw it in theaters. <laughs> Whoa, wild. And I, like, I bought it on iTunes. <laughs> That's how much I care about the billion and a half dollar right, franchise. Right, the yeah. biggest movie in the world. Um, so right, in this analogy, the, the Rock is kind of Schwarzenegger where it's just like, how much can I achieve? 
Right. Like Schwarzenegger is just like super ambitious. I came from nothing, you know. Schwarzenegger I, hits you with a little. They are oddly parallel in that right. they come from nothing. They love to remind you they come from nothing. Now they're like insanely wealthy and successful. But Arnold has a a better sense of humor. He he's, does. Well, he's and naturally th- funnier and even better about what's funny about him. But this is the big difference, okay? I think Arnold is more aware of his weaknesses than The Rock is. Yes. I think Rock keeps on being like, I'm as funny as Ryan Reynolds, right? Like, I'm uh, as yeah, funny as I'm Kevin Hart. I'm in a movie with Kevin Hart, we're equals. Yeah, right, exactly. Right, yeah. right. As opposed to like, Schwarzenegger's like, I'm in a movie with DeVito. <laughs> Let you know? me just be more Austrian. I'll be <laughs> funny for Schwarzenegger. <laughs> right, Like, right. Schwarzenegger did three Ivan Reitman comedies <laughs> right after Ghostbusters, which is the other big problem is that Schwarzenegger worked with great directors. And he handed himself to them right. and was like, I want to succeed. I want to be the biggest movie star. And that's where the artiste shit comes but in a little you, bit. Yeah. I know I'm not an artiste. Right. So I'm handing me to you. Like Cameron sculpt me. Right. Reitman sculpt me, you know, to some degree. And when Schwarzenegger starts to fall off is when he works with slightly more journeyman guys. But his best movies were always him working with people who were like, I'm going to really use your persona. And The Rock, it feels like, is never working with, like, he's, like, so often working with, like, oh, this guy was, like, a VFX supervisor. Yeah, The Rock is, like, and in a bad way to me, but probably exactly what he wants. Right. He's bigger than every movie he's in. Right. He's, the, the fact that it's a Rock movie is more important than the fact that it's a movie. And he talks about, like, <coughs> in Rampage, <coughs> excuse me, spoilers. But at the end of the movie, there is a psych out where the gorilla dies. And that turns out the gorilla was playing dead. And the screenwriters- Which is a callback to like a, a weird joke from earlier in the movie. Well, this is why it's like, what? Why are they calling this back? The whole script feels like, oh, the earned thing is that the gorilla sacrifices himself so that the other two monsters, he is the noble monster. He right. sacrifices himself so that the other two monsters- can it can be taken down right. and the destruction of the city can yeah. stop. He saves the city by sacrificing himself. Yeah. Right. Sort of classical, cliched <laughs> storytelling, but effective for a reason, right? And The Rock was like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I have a contract with my audience. I have built my audience for 20 years. I promise people they're going to have a good time. It's nothing that sad can happen in a Dwayne Johnson movie. And he told that story in like a Rolling Stone article that was him explaining how he became the biggest star. Where it's him sort of like figuring out how to McDonald's himself. Yeah. Where it's like you can quality control it, but you're also capping how great the quality can ever be. Right. It'll be as good every time. Yeah. Well, like... uh we, we've learned that risk is dangerous. We're eliminating right. risk. You know, it's right. like, uh, how much money do you need? Right. What and happens if one of your movie only does, one of your movies only does 80 million. Right. right? Like right. God forbid. And you just imagine he has like a breakdown, you know, yeah. and then crunches the numbers and figures out like, okay, I, I guess dogs are never going to be in my movies again. Like right. what are the <laughs> right. abhorrent elements? Why did yeah. this one fail? Ugh. And so like, there's something to like Hobbs, which was, the rock handing himself over to the fast and furious franchise. Yes. Like he, he showed up 
and he he was the ninth lead. He's the ninth lead, <laughs> or whatever, based on however, whatever, wherever you put the right. cast at, there's one through fourteen people. But <laughs> also, he was the asshole. Like, what's so fun is his introduction in Fast Five, where he like gets off the plane and he's like dripping in baby oil. Yeah, and he's got the weird Scott Ian like anthrax goatee. Yeah, and, and he's, he's like, sh- "Give me the veggies," you know. And it's all like humorless, like fucking alpha male to the nth degree. Just like I'm the asshole who's trying to stop your favorite characters from succeeding. Right. right. And and he ends up in that character being funny because mm-hmm. it is funny to have a character who's like this serious and this right. intense. And then he's by the end, by Hobbs and Shaw, him and Statham are doing Apatow level garbage. Totally. And not, also- Not that I'm considering para- saying Apatow shit is garbage. He's they're doing, doing the stu- garbage version right. of Apatow. They're doing the, you know you know how I know you're gay? Pretty Which much. is from a movie from 15 years ago. Yes. <laughs> right? And that's the other problem is The Rock wanting to be funny almost always seems to circulate from, can I dunk on other people who have lower testosterone? Yes. Like it's always this sort of like beta male, like fuck you. And it's so funny that it's like the sense of humor doesn't work with Dominic Toretto or Shaw. It's so (laughs) jockish. It doesn't make any sense. It's so jockish and it feels so punching down. And like the only way it works, which he's isolated, is if he does it with people who are like at the same level of movie stardom to him. Right. Like if it's Ryan Reynolds. Kevin Hart. Or Kevin Hart or Statham. Like Kevin Hart's the one guy where you can do the short jokes because it's like, oh, he's also a mogul. Right. Who's weirdly controlling about his entire career. Yeah. And it's also like, you know, you're a physical freak as well. Right. You're a. 300 pound and he throws it back at him right (laughs) but it is like it's telling that it's like he's had to do four comedies with Kevin Hart now yeah because when he did Baywatch you watch and you're like this is watching someone bully people for two hours well my 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 take on uh, Baywatch is what I think is fundamentally wrong with Hollywood Uh too and that movie's made for me yes in in theory in theory that movie's made for me a guy who talks about lifeguarding still at 38 weekly right um he Efron gets fucking big in comedy doing Neighbors with Seth Rogen. Yes. And uh, Dwayne uh, blows up doing comedies with Kevin Hart. Yes. They both go, oh, let's put the two handsome people in a movie. And it's like, you're wrong. Right. Those movies were funny because you had proven comedy talent alongside you. I want to see the Seth Rogen, Kevin Hart movie, not the fucking rock. And and if the rock is that guy for honor doing a movie, it can't be where they're doing two person comedy the whole time. And it's, they're both very capable of doing comedy. Yeah. So, so is Ryan Reynolds. They can do comedy. It's like those two guys, like Baywatch is the two of them making fun of each other. Yeah. And they're both gorgeous. Right. For like who's better looking. And then they make fun of the dorky people around them. Right. Like it, every scene has someone who should be played by you or I yeah. who shows up just to get like five yeah. roast jokes. Shout out to John Bass. Yes. Right. <laughs> the role I could have gotten. Sure. I mean, he's the one of substance, but right. also you watch something on a plane. Every scene has like some fucking some weird l- schlub or right, child. Right. A yeah. tiny person or a fat guy uh, yeah. or just like a dude me. with a nose too big or something <laughs> where they come in and just rickles him, you yeah. know? And it's just like, it feels cruel and then Hobbs and Shaw is like suddenly he has to be like the king of the one-liners which was never his thing his thing was always that he was kind of humorless and what was funny was that he was kind of specifically Hobbs Hobbs yeah yeah is kind of humorless and Shaw is also like 
a sociopath right. is like a shark and like a serial killer, right? And what's funny about them is how self-serious they are. And then this movie is like, oh, they should do the like tit for tat thing. Right. They should be like trading barbs about like who could shave the other one's balls the whole movie. <laughs> It's like, it's actual locker room talk. Like it's really (laughs) what locker room talk actually is (laughs) for a whole movie. But then also it's like, I feel like Hobbs's daughter who had always been like, oh, this is kind of a funny element that he's a very hands-on father. Right. And he is as aggro with her as he is with Dom. Right, right. I thought that was funny. Like, yeah. Totally. Now becomes, he's the best dad in the world. Yeah. Like well, now it becomes thing. like, d- d- the do whole you know movie, you're my The whole hero. movie was right. that. The whole right. movie was like, I'm the best dad, brother, son. You're the best son, brother, girlfriend, boyfriend. Like there was, there was just so much. And I think extrapolate that out to why the fuck does Vanessa Kirby like the rock or, or the rock like her back. Okay. I, I, the funnier, I, I would just say if I had to do one pass of that movie, if I can yeah. give it one note that I think would make it stronger yeah. is have the rock be attracted to Vanessa Kirby and Vanessa Kirby not be into him and just 100%. show a, a slight, uh, uh, I'm going to say a slight chink in his armor. As I was about to say it, I was like, am I allowed to say it in this expression? But I think so. Yeah. In a pushing Gillis world. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. Might yeah. say dent in the armor. Yeah. Just show yeah. something, show something off about the, right. the Hobbs character. And that, and that would be, but if you tell me that as an actor, I go, Ooh, that's funny. And if you tell, uh, Dwayne yeah. Johnson that he goes, why wouldn't they be in love right. with me? Right. It's that story of like Robert Redford auditioning for The Graduate. And Mike Nichols was like, I can't hire you. And he was like, why? And he was like, have you ever had trouble picking up a girl in your life? And Robert Redford said, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, and you're like, sir, continue. Yeah, done. See you later, here. Sundance. Right, right. <laughs> but there's that element where like you watch that and like this is a franchise that's constantly asking us to suspend our disbelief. But The Rock and Vanessa Kirby falling in love in the way they do in this movie is scientifically impossible. Yeah. It just I, does not compute for it made a me single- uncomfortable. It made me physically uncomfortable. And I'm like a horny, gross yes. freak. Totally. And I was uncomfortable by totally. that. First yeah. of all, he doesn't look human. The Rock is at a point of no return. It's the same thing with Schwarzenegger, where Schwarzenegger is pretty smart about often making himself a fairly asexual figure. Right. Well- we, uh, I always talk about this, like in, in fucking Red Heat. There's a scene like whenever they play Schwarzenegger as sexy, yeah. it reeks of male writer and male director. Totally, because it's like, ooh, and it's like, you, why would this woman be enamored by these huge hairless tits? Right, like, <laughs> so, there's something so inhuman about right, him, right? Yeah, and you can like put him in like true lies and make it like, oh, it's like an emotional, it's a long relationship. You're playing off the joke of him being sort of like unemotional and right, awkward right, and right. all of that. But Stallone could have romances on screen because he is an emotional actor, like yes. an embarrassingly emotional movie star. Right, right, right. And the same thing with- We want you to say I'm afraid. Right. <laughs> but there's like something so telling about Vin, you know, when, when Letty gets uh, uh, killed at the beginning of four, right? And they introduce uh, Gal Gadot. And at that point, they don't know if they're going to make another movie. They don't know that they're going to bring Letty back from the dead in the end credits of the following (laughs) film. But that whole movie, (laughs) that whole movie, he is like flirting with Gal Gadot and he's like, I can't. My love just died. And she remains like a 
platonic friend for him. Right. And then the whole next movie is like slowly this like really intimate courtship happening between him and now I'm forgetting her name, but Elsa Pataki's character. Oh, yes, yes. Who's part of the Rocks team. Um, where like that's like it's actually an emotionally based thing of like these are two people dealing with grief. Right. And when Letty, It's not just like, hey, you're the hottest uh, male cast member, I'm, gonna I'm the hottest you. female cast right. member. And when Letty shows up, it's like an emotionally tour situation and it like remains a part of the puzzle. They keep her in the movies and then right. the baby and all of that. <laughs> and like for this to be like, oh, we just cast the new hot like it actress, and of course that means that she has to fall in love. Right. Where I'm this like, movie. She rules in this film. I think she is so good in this movie. I have I knew nothing about her? Yeah, until I saw Fallout. Same here. Uh, the other franchise. She was on The Crown. Yeah, I didn't watch. Right. I, I never didn't watched watch those that. period right. piece things. But I have the same frame of reference. It's Fallout and this. Yeah, and I saw her in Fallout, and I'm like, she's beautiful. She's so she's got equivalent star power to Tom Cruise. Right. She's like she holds the fucking screen, and she's talented. She's yeah. fucking good. And I'm like, and she's in this movie, you know, that is like again, like this like seventh movie or yeah. fifth movie, sixth movie of a franchise. And you're like weird, and then she's in this, and I'm like. Fuck, she's fucking... And she's got authority. You believe her in the action scenes. Like, you're like, I believe that she can beat these people. Which isn't just about learning the choreography. It's about being, like, having enough weight as an actor that you sell... The intensity. I want to see F and F colon totally. H and S colon Vanessa Kirby. That's character. what I want to yeah, see. Because yeah. you're like, I that's guess. this is interesting. Her character is interesting, but then you go like, these two guys are both two decades older than her. And, it makes and, no sense that Jason Statham is her brother, seen in flashbacks where they are two years apart. Yeah, in it's age. like a little bit of the old bang bang. You know, are we gonna hit him with the? And they only do the fucking rock and roll joke twice in yeah, the movie when right. it so needs a third one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then The Rock shouldn't end up with her. Like, it no. was a thing that I used to commend The Rock on was he did two separate movies where his love interest was Carla Gugino. And I was like, Carla Gugino rules and she is age appropriate. Right. She's a she's great. Yeah. She's great. But it was like, here is an actress who was within five years of his own age. Right. And twice he made movies where she was the love interest. And I'm like, this is an actual adult couple. I am so happy that I don't have to watch you try to woo a 25 year old. Yeah. It feels like the end of King Kong. Totally. Like when, she, when he's like uh, flirting with her, I'm like, they're Get not the, yeah. the same species. Yes. That's what it is. It feels like he he just feels like a, a, a freak from outer space, and he's and it's so because much he's visible. just like he's he's built his muscles out to such an extreme extent. Right, he has shaved himself so thoroughly. Yeah, he has sanded every edge off of his personality. Yes, but his like he's this like charisma machine that is solely in relationship with the camera. And less with the people he's on screen with. And it's like the only kind of chemistry he really knows how to have now is making fun of other people. Yes. This form of dominance. Otherwise, I'm like, I just don't believe you have an emotional connection here. And the daughter in this, it's weird because it's the same daughter in six and seven. And then she by now must be 16 or 17. And in this, they cast a new girl and just reset it like the daughter's still 10. Right, because they're like, oh, we got to make five more of these movies. But also... (laughs) And The Rock's going to be playing 33. (laughs) Right, but you go like, it says a lot that he isn't interested in doing the movie that's this guy navigating the hoops of parenting a daughter at different ages. That all he wants is her in a pre-hormonal state where she can be cute. And he can be dad. Yeah. Well, also, if she gets any older, she's 
getting close to Vanessa Kirby's <laughs> age, know. and then it right. looks really weird. Right. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. the, once again, it's like, oh, dad, like, hands on the cheeks, like, super innocent, like, cherub little daughter. Right. Well, that's what I feel like the, like, the stereotypical macho dude wants, right? right. It's like, the characters are a good dad, right. and his and his female, uh, his life partner is dead, and he's got a new one that he's chasing, right. and he gets the hottest girl, and he's the strongest, and he's the funniest. Right. And it's like, all of that? Right, right. That's the thing. It's like, he's too much much and he the the same thing that makes him not want to kill the gorilla in rampage makes me think he doesn't want to have a teenage girl in these movies because that is ignoring the difficulties of being a teenager right you know yes yeah And, and to be a single father with a teenage daughter like there's a lot of meat on that bone especially in a franchise that should be about, about family. family. Yeah. And, and the fact that he shies away from that, the second they introduced the 10 year old daughter and I went, this is a different actress and she's younger than the last girl. Right. I was like, Ooh, fuck this feels wrong. Yeah. This smells bad. It feels wrong. And then like the connecting of them where it's like, is Hobbs and Shaw two going to have them busting each other's balls the whole time and also being brothers-in-law. Right. <laughs> like, I don't want that. And best friends now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't un- But they're not. It's going to be reset to like whatever. Bull- like, that's the problem. But it's going to be that thing where then like Vanessa Kirby will be gone. Like, this is my greatest fear. They will get rid of Vanessa Kirby because The Rock wants a different love interest and they can't have her be in the movie and not be his love interest. So they will remove the most interesting character from the franchise. Yes. That is my fear. The coolest character, the character who comes from a family of criminals and went straight. My fear is that Hobbs and Shaw 2 opens with like, so things didn't work out with my sister, did they? (laughs) And she's just off screen, Linda Fiorentino, Men in Black 2, like jettison. Great parallel. You know? Yeah. (laughs) And that's a bummer because you're like, what you want is them becoming a unit the right. Rock having you want a relationship to build another of, Fast and the Furious franchise, right? Like you want him to have a relationship of mutual respect with her that is completely aromantic. Yes. And there's a scene that's pretty good when they're fighting and she's like throwing shit at him. Yeah. When he first finds her. And and she like is she has a knife or a gun or something she hits with a head. motorcycle helmet. Like they right. get like they She's they're throwing f- a brick at him, but she has a thing that could kill him. And she goes like, why aren't you doing whatever? And he says, I know you're not going to kill me. And she said, how do you know that? He said, I know what a killer looks like. I've looked them in the eyes. Yeah. And there's this moment of like, we're both people who've seen shit. Right. And they're also saying, and we're both good guys. And we're lethal. And there's like, and that's a way to dramatize like, but deep down Hobbs is a good guy. Right. Versus the like, you know, the, the sort of very ham fisted kind of like. Look how much I'm, I'm coaching my daughter on her math test. Kind yes, of shit. yes. <laughs> um, uh, the comedy in Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. I feel like they tried to do more comedy than any other Fast and the Furious movie. Very much so. And it was just not the move. No, I wouldn't even want to see. Uh, Roman and like I'm trying to think of who you might th- think is the strongest comedy person from Roman and Tej. You're like right, that's yeah. like an odd couple duo. They yeah, bicker. and I right. don't even want to see them no, do a comedy. No. You know? Yes, yes. <laughs> so I definitely don't want to see these two. Like their thing is is that they're wooden and boring. I don't want to see right. those two guys. Get right. Together. Yeah. But but you get to this point where you're like him shaving off the goatee also shaves off 
whatever sort of aggro asshole thing made the character kind of fascinating. Right. And now he's just like, cause even every time he like dunks on like the IT guy in the office or whatever, it always feels like it's undercut with like a rock wink to camera, but like, but I'm a nice guy. Right. You know? Right. Yes. And there was something funny about like what a pill that character was in juxtaposition to the rest of the cast who were so emotional. And it would make so much sense for Shaw. Who's like, uh, MI6 turned bad, or, or, right. which we have to retrofit for this movie. Right, right. But like, right, that for him next like, to a goody two shoes is a, a like a straight by the book hero guy. Right. That's a great, I that's a classic pairing for a movie. And Instead, look, they're both just the most heroic people they can be. Even, I think, two humorless robot killer men <laughs> with Vanessa Kirby in the middle could work. You know, like she could be the humanizing force who's yeah, with them. Yeah, she's like, my brother's an asshole and this fucking freak right. too. But like, like I yeah. wish they were willing to push the asshole further. Right, right. Instead, well, because, because, but also The Rock, I think, is slowly dulling all his edges. Everything. It, on purpose. It's just yeah, every yeah. movie gets dulled more and more and more. And like the Satan thing is like, oh, retrofitting it that he was like this war hero that was framed, that he's like this A-team member who's but, like- but I'm like, no, but he murdered a bunch of people in cold blood. Including Han. Yes. <laughs> like one of our favorite characters. But also like all of those scenes where he's chasing them down in seven, he like the elevator doors open and he just starts shooting people willy nilly. Right, right. You know? But the that's kind of one of the charms of the Fast and Furious totally. franchise is retroactively being like, well, he was the guy who was sent to kill us, but now he's on the team. Yeah. But there's a difference between being like, we converted him, we found his humanity, or he was brainwashed, right. or whatever, versus going like, no, he was misunderstood. And yeah. I'm like, that's the one you can't sell me. Yeah, no, the piece of information we gave you previously was not the real information. You're right. like, oh, That's okay. the one that's just like, but he still did those things, <laughs> and that doesn't make them any less brutal. <laughs> Uh, let's let's jump around with some random thoughts about okay. one of the things that drove me the most crazy about Hobbs and Shaw mm -hmm. is that I know I'm going to see uh, a four quadrant movie. I know I'm going to see a totally. blockbuster. Yeah, the fact it, the movie is w one of the most dumbed down films I've seen, yes. and I felt bad for people who weren't film nerds, whatever yeah. I am. Yeah. I felt bad for people who weren't me going like. That's even worse to be like the character, like they literally say he's over there. He's got a gun. He's right. the bad guy. Like you hear ADR just explaining what we're looking at. But that feels like, I don't want to project here, but that yeah. almost feels like a rock thing of him being like, we need to make the movie where you understand every plot element, even if someone's on their phone the whole time. Right. That he's the type of filmmaker who wants to be conducive to the fact that people aren't paying attention to the movie. Right. He's like, I understand everyone's watching this on a plane. Right. <laughs> Here's what I want it to be. Right. And because that whole end sequence yes. where they're like, they explain their plan where they're like, yeah. they'll probably attack right before dawn when we're at our most tired. So that way we can have a, sh a shoot at both night and right. daytime. The world's fastest dawn, by the way. I mean, it's like this thing where it's like, it's daytime. Then suddenly it's like 4 a.m. It's like pitch black. They're fighting. <laughs> and then within four minutes of fight, it's like super bright. Yeah. And they're like full afternoon sunlight. We'll be able to shut their guns off. Yeah. Uh, we'll, and we'll take them through here through the ring of fire. Then we'll do this. And they like right. run through the plan. And you're like, oh, cool. 
And then when they're doing the plan, they're, it's they like s- audio commentary. They're still yes. saying the steps, yes. and they're yes. like, "Well, now their guns are off. Now we hand to hand combat." It's yeah. like, no, you you only need one of these two yeah. moments, if at all. I would yes. say zero. Yeah, <laughs> and like the constantly like restating the MacGuffin of like this is a virus movie, which like I kind of like that. You know, if you're going to spin this off, you want to make it different from the mothership. Right. So, like, I'm actually in favor of, like, Idris Elba being a cyborg man. And I'm in favor of it being, like, a weaponized virus. Because if you're going to make it its own thing, do the weirder, like, sort of sci-fi 90s blockbuster high concept premise stuff. yeah. That's not going to fit into the emotionality of Fast and Furious. Right, Which is so much more analog (laughs) in terms of their, like, tasks. Yeah, because the tasks need to require cars and stuff. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but but then like they just keep on restating sort of like the status of like how many hours they have left to like you know execute the antidote and what right. the formula so is many ticking and where it's clocks going. that they just keep reminding you yeah. of and shit. Yeah. Um what were some things we really enjoyed? I, I liked Idris a lot. I liked Idris a lot too. I hated that like like he had to become a, a comic book character. Like that's yeah. the only thing that bothers me is cause like the thing I like most about fast and furious as Marvel as yes. it is, right. it at least is under the suspension of disbelief that these are people. Right. And it's that thing where it's like, it, it's my problems are more behavioral than they are. The fact that he's part robot. If that right, makes sense. Right. Right. Like I'm more willing to accept like you're getting into cyborg people but him acting like a supervillain, like yes. his whole like Lex Luthor demeanor. Shit. Yeah, like yeah. I think he sells all of it well, and he's fun because he's because he's Idris. He's right, great. Yeah, yeah, right, and he's not afraid to go for rough edges like that. Right, which is kind of like satisfying to watch in this movie. Yes, where everyone else is like so. I mean, it came out when this film came out. There was a Hollywood Reporter article about how. Um, the entire film, both of them need to be in the edit room to uh, like manage how many punches each of them got in. That neither one could look more powerful than the other. That they could never lose a fight. It could only be a draw or like you I, know a walk away. I I just don't understand that. There's a point system, and by all accounts. Vin is the one who started this and it has now just gotten amped up. I believe it, but it's all completely believable. Totally. But yeah. there's a point system where that Vin's sister, I believe established that now the rock has like amplified and like deepened where it's like a headbutt is three points. Like if a guy gets a headbutt on me, I need to like, make I'm at up. negative three. Right. Yeah. I need three haymakers to bring me back. To right. I honestly need six, like, <laughs> right. you know, and like where the punch lands and like whether you're holding something and hitting them with that, or if it's a gun or like all these things and you watch it and you're just like, there's a weird lack of tension to the fight scenes in this movie because they're never not high status. Well, we also like, Watching movies has taught us that the good guy's never going to lose. Right. And these movies show, show us that the good guys are never even going to be close to losing. That's the yeah, problem. Because yeah. like someone like Jackie Chan was like a master of understanding you have to keep losing until you win. Right. Like, and I think really, Bruce Willis, of course, like yes, God, John right. McClane is like the perfect example right, of that. Right. Yeah. All these, it's like you got to actually make them believe there's a chance you could lose. Even though we all enter with the contract signed, we know the good guys win at the end of the movie. Right. And it, uh, your job is an ego thing is, sell. Right. I don't understand, like, the ego will prevent the better story. Like, that's if, the thing. Because if like, I'm Vin, I'm like, 
I actually, if I'm like fucking my jaw broke and I'm in a hospital and right. I come back out to save the, like, you right. know what I mean? Like that's the shit that like is makes a movie cool. Right. So that's why like, even if like Vin was like as insane about like punch for punch, point for point in a fight scene with the rock, you still have furious, like fate of the furious where he like does a thing as an actor that the rock would never let a movie do with him. You right. know, yeah, like lets him actually be a piece of shit seemingly and like make out with Charlize Theron. Yeah. And cry looking at a baby. Right, like, like do yeah. embarrassing things and like potentially alienate the audience for like a stretch of the movie and all right. this sort of stuff where I'm like, even if Vin has like ego in terms of like, you know, the size of his pecs and wanting yeah. to come off as the biggest, toughest, strongest guy, I still feel like there's an overriding sense of storytelling of like really canny populist storytelling that makes those movies connectable. Totally. And Hubs and Shaw, you're like, I guess Vanessa Kirby is who I care about, especially because she has a virus, so you're worried the whole movie she might die. Right, right. <laughs> and she's the frailest person in this cast. Yeah, because she's you know? next to a fucking match head and a giant shaved And uh, she is properly playing the stakes of like, she might not win this fight. Like, right. that's one of the things that makes her performance so good in this movie. Right, you're never concerned. Like, I mean, also, once The Rock, like, punches a dude off a motorcycle while right. driving without dislocating his shoulder. Right. He's sort of unstoppable. Yes. But I, I will say, and it, it's corny how they played it out, uh -huh. but the conceit as the way to beat Idris was great. That's such a fun, I haven't seen that in a fight yes. before. It's like, the only way we're going to be able to hit him is if he's currently hitting someone else. Right. And it's like it, a video game. It's, it's all, so and fun. it was so smart and it was so fun. Yes. But, it played like, isn't it crazy that our heroes are getting punched rather than that they were like, okay, I got to sacrifice so that the rock can get my, this guy who I right. bothers me so much. I have to take a shot in the face from a fucking total robot. But it's also engrossing because you're watching them take hits. Right. And that, and then like I, they're suffering in that. Yeah. Scene. That's what I was just about to say too. Yeah. It's like, and then you realize, oh, is this the first time they're like losing? Right. And it is. Yeah. yeah. The fucking like. All of the long take fucking riff shit. It's like, yeah, I would, I would pay $1,000. I'd pay more yeah. to see the deleted scenes from this movie. If there were any. Yes. I don't. It feels think like there, there were. <laughs> yeah. Right. It feels right. like they were like, they didn't cut anything. Right. Cause and that fucking, the eye scanner bit is like a minute too long. There's right. Like every bit, the Re Ryan Reynolds bit is too long. The Kevin Hart thing is like but that's unnecessary like, right. and too long. If one of them is low status in a scene, it's low status in that the other guy is kicking ass a little better. Yeah. Well, not that they're suffering. They're telling us that right. one of them is higher status. Right. We're not even able to convey like who who's higher status this moment. The Rock is like, I punched him harder. Right. Yeah. And it's like, and it's weirdly quantifiable in their right. mind, but not. I'm not registering any yeah. of it. Yeah. But like the the old uh, the old Apatow DVDs. <laughs> yeah. Back in the day, the the Apatow DVDs used to have those Lionorama features. Yeah. Where it was like, here's a supercut of the scene where like Seth Rogen says like, it looks like blanks blank in there. Yeah. And yeah. you see the. 80 different variations of that. And the the scenes, like the cameo improv run scenes in Hobbs and Shaw feel like watching Linearama. Like you're right. watching a series of alts. You're like, oh, this one works. Right.
right. Yeah, oh, this one's kind of funny. That's the one. If you're going to make one short gag at Kevin Hart's expense. That's what I'm saying. It feels like they have nothing on the cutting room floor. And you're like, this scene's seven minutes long? Yes, I know. And it's just sort of like, oh, I know why the Kevin Hart scene's seven minutes long. Yeah. It's the first person with personality to pop (laughs) into the movie. And you also have to imagine that Kevin Hart was on set for all of an hour. Right, right. And And they use like 40% of what they shot. They treated him like the mighty buffalo (laughs) where they must use every part. Right, right. Right. And same with the Ryan Reynolds stuff where you're like, this is odd. And we're trained like as moviegoers to be like, if Ryan Reynolds is in this movie, it must be for some greater purpose. Like Kevin Hart, they have enough of a thing at this point. Right. That right. maybe it's just a callback. You know, it's the old, the tit for tat. Yeah. You know, sort of. But Ryan Reynolds showing up is weird enough that you're like, he must have some greater purpose in this. And then you have Idris Elba taking calls, taking shots from this mystery guy with a distorted robot voice who you're like, there's going to be some reveal. And this there's movie, none. <laughs> there is none, which uh, I guess for them is like, oh, that's a lingering mystery for the second one, which I go, who gives a shit? Who do you think it is? I have a, I think it's well, Kurt Russell. Here's what's crazy. It doesn't, it doesn't matter at all. Here's what's crazy. What's crazy <laughs> is it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. And I don't believe they have any answer. I think they thought it was just fun to tease something. Yeah. And, and then the, that, they could also sell that to any, Hey, John Malkovich. Right. Do you want to be in Hobbs and Shaw? We established right. this character. Right, But yeah. I don't even think they understand who the character type is, who would be doing that, what right. his relationship is <laughs> yeah. to them. It's Gronkowski or something. Right. It's like some football player. Right. But the, the reason I, I believe that they don't even have an answer for themselves is that the person doing the voice is Ryan Reynolds. Oh shit. I read some interview where they were like, yeah, we just thought like friend of the camp, It'd be funny to have him do the voice as well. Ugh. And I'm like, well, that's, it would make so much dramatic sense. That Ryan Reynolds was also the bad guy. The character was that guy. Right. They lay it on way too thick with his, like, adoration of The Rock, which is another thing. Like, oh, the funny scene is about how great The Rock is. Like the yeah, the Rock's comedy bit is a guy being in love with him. Right. Loves him. (laughs) But, But that would make sense. And then instead it's like, no, Ryan Reynolds just shows up in the end credits to like be their agent Coulson and tell them what their next mission's going to be. Yeah. And it was his voice just because he was around that day. Yeah. They're not trying to tie it together. Or but I was like, I'm watching it and I'm like, okay, uh, uh, Hobbs has a weird past with his brother. Is his brother the voice? Well, no, that's Cliff Curtis. Like, yeah. is it a member of the Shaw family we haven't met yet? No, it's not. Like, is it the Shaw dad? Like yeah. all these quite like it has to be someone of some meaning to them personally in their lives. Right. For this, for this franchise to matter. matter. Otherwise yeah. it's like the most generic, just like, here's a guy with a, a voice. Voice decoder, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I believe that I thought they were going for that. It was Kurt Russell's character because it's like uh, I was like, right, or it's someone from the family, right? It's right. Vin. It's like what, whatever, you yes, know. Yeah. <laughs> it's someone it's from Cypher. Mainline, it's, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, any of those things would be fun. Okay, so I I like the the uh, the like Maui stuff. Yes, is that where they are? Uh, I think they're Samoa. Maori. Maori. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. They're Samoans, but right. it is. Very similar. It's like that Pacific Island culture of yes. like the warring uh, people. They're right. like some of the most powerful people in the world because just to survive, right. to, to get to where they lived was difficult. Now, yeah, I know people who checked out and were like too corny, too much, but I'm like, that's the, the right strain of corny for me. Dude, I'm telling you, like 
that's the part of the movie that was for me where it's like, we figured out a way to stop their guns. Yeah. We don't have any guns. Right. We're going old school. Right. That's what I want in the a movie. Plainfield field being leveled is fun. I think Cliff Curtis is good. Yeah. I think it's his weird mom's that really he good. Most, he's a mechanic, but he's like fixing like future tech. Right. <laughs> but all of that like feels like you got, you got the juice flowing and it's like, Oh, here are two guys who were like not connected to the family, the Toretto family. Right now, we find out they're right. We've seen Shaw's family the whole time. Right. Now we're going like to see bringing the other- them into the picture and making it these people who have like shitty relationships with their families. Yes, and having to come to terms with them is like there's some juice there. Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, Roman Reigns, Cliff Curtis. It's like yeah. so fun when he goes yeah. home. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, I loved it. I loved like all the traditional, like fucking, uh, uh, Island weapons and shit. And I'm like, this is so fun. But then it feels like that had no stakes anyway. Cause it was like about the, the next ends three and then steps just becomes four more car chases, right? It like the fight ends up sort of being of no consequence whatsoever. Like the guns stop working for them. They have to do the hand to hand, you know, old school weapons fight. And then it just, at some point feels like it ends in a draw and they decide they mutually agree to go to the next set piece. <laughs> right, right. You know, that's what it is. Like, okay, uh, round one over, let's go right, switch. Right. So we'll meet over switch there. maps. Like it's a video game. Right. Now we're going to fight on the fucking, you know, that, and the fucking fake looking sky with the fucking, yeah. uh, chopper being attached to five cars. Right. It's like, you're like the, put that earlier in the movie. If you're going to do that, like at this point it should be getting smaller and smaller. Yes. Like it should go straight from this fight with the family to one the, on two. Exactly. Yes. Like you want to focus up here and instead it then just goes like way, way out again. And the other thing is like the rocks pride in his heritage and, and the cultural history uh, that he comes from is one of the few remaining strains of personality in his movies. Whole Griff, a hundred. I didn't even think about this. This is why I liked it so much. I was like, it was the last like, thing that makes him interesting. Yeah, because and even in the and it's scenes, something he gives a shit about, and he's actually connecting to Cliff Curtis and the actress playing his mom in a way that feels like it's because it's personal for him. Right, it is no longer this made up like Uberman. Right, holy shit. You know, it's like, yes, and that's like. like that's why it was so cool to me he's that putting Samoa is a little stuff, bit Samoa, of himself on yeah. the line. Like yeah. he's, he's showing us a little something. Yes. And it's like, this actually matters. To, you it's know vulnerable. what it is? It's a fucking split second of weakness. It's a weakness. Yeah. And that's in the, a good way. In a character building way. The only time he's low status in the movie is when he's trying to win back his brother and make amends to his mother. Oh fuck. He's emotionally yeah. low status and he's playing those scenes well. Yeah. And you can tell his like respect for everything. Like I was like, this is rad that he is like deciding to because he's already like, I'm keeping my tattoos in the movie. Like my right. tattoos are important, right? Like all these things he's been doing, right. like film by film, bringing a little bit more and more of yeah. like his culture in. And, and we're not even like, going to get into the fact that his name is Hobbs and he's right. like born in Samoa. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. But I just love that he's like, I, I want to like get all of this right. Like this matters. The language is important. The food's yeah. important, you know? Yeah, it's cool. It's like he gives a shit about something other than his just Success Winning. or bottom line or right. whatever you want to look at it. Right. Gross, a box office. There's something personal there. Yeah. Yeah. I could have used more of that. Yeah. I could have used more of that. Could have been earlier, you know. Could have done something with his daughter and like why set her up other than so that he can be a dad, you know? Right. Like, yeah. Which that's my thing. It's like I would I would so much rather watch Hobbs 
continue to struggle as a single father. It's a better movie. Yeah. A better movie is just the Ro- Hobbs, the character. Yeah. D- busting crime in whatever city he's based out of. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he's dealing with his teenage daughter or he's on vacation with his teenage daughter and uh, die hard at right. Club Med. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. That's yeah. the movie I want to see. Totally. Yeah. And that brings it back into the family thing, which is like, if the daughter's 10, she's just a prop for like cheap sort of emotional sentimentality. And she's never going to get her hands dirty in the meat of the thing. By putting her as a 10 year old girl, it's the equivalent of like on Twitter when people write jokes that are like, my daughter said the most interesting thing. (laughs) It's like, it's like, you're not allowed to just use your six year old as a prop to be like, Oh, let me punch up what you said and then I'll type it out like you came up because with it. Because what do I really want? I want a movie in which Jason Statham is bonding again with his sister who has no sexual relationship or chemistry with The Rock and The Rock is adjusting to his daughter being a young woman and she is getting into the fight with them and Jason Statham has no sexual chemistry or attraction to her. Right, and maybe there is like a family element between Kirby and The Rock's kid. Totally. Yes, that's fun. Like, right. and she's like, look, we're women in a men's game. Like, right. here's how life right. is. Yeah. Right, Fuck. Yeah, I thought for sure they were going to try to expand their movie out to build Hobbs and Shaw out, but- like like the Fast and the Furious franchise yeah. is expanded cast wise, but that doesn't make any sense for what The Rock would want. Right. Why would The Rock want? And that's why that's again a fundamental difference between Vin and Dwayne that gives Vin yeah. another upper hand is like when he makes X Triple X two, he's like, I know I was the guy in Triple X, but he's like, I need eight trust me, I'm doing Fast and Furious. Give me eight different cultural people with interesting stories and let's add them to the cast. Vin is very generous with screen time in a way that kind of no one of his type is right. It's all, it's funny that he gets so much shit about the punches counter and like, right. he doesn't want to lose a fight to but someone. That's he can't why I'm see like it. he weighs all these things out. Yeah. I think he's just a little more cunning than we think, than anyone thinks he, he is. like, I mean, a, because he does share all his screen time and he, he also does. knows he's like, he's like, why don't we get uh, a, a, a Spanish soccer player? Why very he, diverse. Yeah. He gives opportunities to people who do not often get to be in these movies. He yeah. makes them bankable and he gives them real shit. They're right. not just part of the team in the background. Yeah. They get emotional arcs. They get scenes. They get their own running jokes. They get their own fight scenes that he's not a part of. Right. You know? Yeah. There's a generosity there. And that's just smart movie making. He's just a smart dude. Yeah. Because he's thinking about the bigger picture. Yeah. You know? And then he wins in the end too because he's got a slice of Hobbs and Shaw. That's why I think he's, <laughs> he's got a he's got points on Hobbs and Shaw. So I'm sure you've had this thing too, but like uh when you work on a shoot with an actor who is just like not in it like not into it. Like someone who thinks they're too big for their britches, doesn't want to stick around, like doesn't want to do their coverage, you know? Right, yeah. It's like giving you the absolute bare minimum. You're talking to a C-stand for your coverage. Right, right. This shitty thing that we both had to experience a bunch (laughs) of times. And when that person is like nominally the star, right, is number one on the call sheet, is the person who's going to have their name above the thing. Or I've heard stories about this like with TV shows that are long running, And they just like, they come in, they do their close-ups, they're out and everyone has to do their scenes with a double. Yeah. And it's like Mark Harmon's guy sitting there with a wig on. Right. And I'm like, this is your show. You make so much money. You want it to keep going. Do you not understand that you not doing these scenes will hurt the end product? It's not even about 
common decency, although it should be. Right. And yeah, it's, I, I, like, I should be able to appeal to your decency, but instead, how about I appeal to your The most craven part of your career should yeah. realize your show is going to start sucking if you stop doing scenes with other actors. Right, right. And that's like sort of like what the Eddie Murphy shit and like totally. all Look, our favorite heroes who start to go bigger and bigger to fall. and they, right. they only work with directors that they can bully. Yes, like man. we, we get right. the Mike Myers shit and we right. get like the Austin power. Like you get these people who are like, that's good. Well now they're egomaniacs. They won't let anyone right. say, they won't collaborate. You know right. what I mean? Like which, which they consider someone stopping their vision. Look, yeah. I have heard people call Vin Diesel an egomaniac and he is certainly very controlling, but I also think the proof is kind of in the pudding and there is just something irrefutable about how much he puts himself out there for other people. Yeah. Like he really lets other people shine in his movies. And, and that was the thing that this actor people. was telling me about was just like, they didn't want to cast me. They said they didn't want a person like me in this movie. Yeah. And he just like fought so hard and has continued to fight hard and keeps me involved in like the process and development and all of that. He knows, he knows what works. He just he does. He, he's got his thing. He's got Fast and the Furious figured out. And that's the thing. He, he wants the ego boost of people liking Tej. Yes. You know, like Vin will take credit for everything ultimately. Right, right. There, there is the nefarious uh, aligning to the cloud. To the cloud is that he, you going like, wow, Roman was really great in that scene. He's like, I produced Thank it. You. Yeah. Thank you. We worked really hard <laughs> yeah, on I'm Roman. I'm a producer on this right. one. Yeah, okay. right, right. I'm really happy with what we did with Roman. <laughs> right yeah. on this film. You know, yes, we gave Roman some good stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah I think we really cracked him on this one. Um, but. But like you're letting someone else score buckets. Right. And that's all that mad. Fuck why. Fuck the why behind it. If I'm right. in a movie with the Vin Diesel, I'm like, he just wants to take credit for my yeah. improvised jokes, but he keeps putting my improvised jokes in the f movie. Yeah. Who's really winning here? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like everyone. Can yeah. I, can I, I, I feel like this is the place if I'm ever going to reveal this. Cause I've thought I might try to use this again, maybe. Cause like there are rumors that, the mainline saga is going to end at 10. Yes. That Vin's like signed up through 10 and that's going to conclude that. And then they'll try to keep on making spinoffs. Extended universe. If, yeah. Right. There's a Netflix animated series. I know. I heard which about has that. like a, a, a hold page on Netflix. There's like no information, <laughs> right? but you right. can but see you know it as a coming. title. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I, uh, Vin Diesel has a movie, I think coming out next year called bloodshot which is based on a valiant comic from the 90s about I know which, an assassin I know. who has nanobites in his blood and looks like a geisha. He has completely uh, He's like, like white, and red, white skin I, yeah. and red eyes. Yeah, I remember this. Uh, and they, they, they've shot a film that will come out next year in which Vin Diesel is playing Bloodshot. And there was the like guy with the clipboard who's like one of his sidekicks who's chasing around being like, your nanobites are off the chart. And I was like, I've never wanted any part more worked so hard to try to get it. Um, but the thing I did when I was like, no guts, no glory. Like I'm, I'm sure like they want a bigger name for this. I got to put myself out there and like make it clear to them. Cause I was like sending them like emails being like, I really love Vin and I really appreciate what he does. And like, cause I was like, I feel like if I can get to a stage where I'm like testing with him, and I can explain, like, I see your value. Right. Like, trust me, I get you. We, I'm yeah. all in on your vision. Yeah. Like, that. that's the thing. But I was trying to figure out how to, like, show my commitment enough that they would show the tape to Vin. 
because he was a producer on it too. So what I did for my audition tape, I did the audition tape of the scenes they sent. And then when I was like, fuck, I need to keep myself in the conversation. I did an audition tape that was me doing the full quarter mile of time monologue from Fast and Furious. And I like translated it into my personality. Oh, so I did it word for word, but I did it as if I was that character. Yeah. A little uh, dash of anxiety thrown in there. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's fucking great. Yeah. Um, and, and the like movie's coming out next year. And uh, how was uh, shooting it? Uh, yes. Uh, Lamorne Morris from New Girl Got the Part. <laughs> Fair. He is significantly more talented than I am. Um, He's significantly more juiced to the movie than you are. Not necessarily 100%. more talented. I yes. also think he's more talented. He's good. In my opinion. He's I'm very big, good. I'm a big fan. When, yeah, when yeah. he got it, I was like relieved that it was someone I liked that much. Because you, I felt so personally like invested in the idea of doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, do I don't you, think I was particularly close, but I was like within a larger conversation. Right. Do you yeah. have do you have an actor who books a lot of the stuff you go out for, but that is truly you think is good? So it's like because I, I have two guys that go out for a lot of the stuff. I have three guys that go out for a lot of the stuff I go out for. for when I go out for these big things that I don't think I have yeah. a chance for. Jo- Josh Brenner, I like a lot. Yes. yes. Okay. I that's think fair. it's really good. And like anytime I see him in a movie, if I feel upset, it's only that I didn't get the audition. Right. Do you right. know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. Like if he gets the part over me, I'm happy because I'm like, well, he's going to do a great job. He rules. A big fan. If I see him in a movie and I'm like, I didn't even get to read for this. Yes. Then I'm angry at my agents, not <laughs> right, at him. Right. Then there's a whole nother layer right, coming in there. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. That's for me. When I see Josh Gad in something I booked, I'm mad. When I sure. see Paul Walter Hauser in something I book, a I'm like completely fine with it. I'm like, a this guy one. is fucking good. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think if I have who my Gad is. Yeah. Who's the negative guy where you're like, fuck. Yeah. Why isn't that me? I might send you one later and you can edit it. Because <laughs> I want to make it clear that I'm not avoiding calling someone out. Right, right, I right. I just can't think of who. Because there are other moments where I've had a clear. I like, mean, like, Gad is, like, objectively good in Hollywood's eyes. Just I don't right. like him as much. Right. But then I watch Paul Walter Hauser and I'm like, fuck, this dude is right, fucking right, good in right, everything. Right. Yeah. He delivers. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm you, like, oh, it's like I should have been in the Karate Kid. I should have been in Cobra Kai. Then I see I, Tanya, and I'm like, I shouldn't be in this movie. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. No, this is. <laughs> but so I, I just feel like if 10 is going to be the last one and, and I don't want to risk it, I just feel like my plan is I'm calling the shot now. I'm going to try to fully produce a like high quality recreation of that scene with me playing the part. Oh. And try to just put that out into the universe. I would, uh, <laughs> you gotta, dude. Yeah, I think, I, you think I have to, right? I got like, they're, they just are finishing filming on nine now. So I'm like, that's my goal. Like I have the next like two years to like, to just be in 10 doing something like yeah. to, to get one of those like viral, like tick actor, Griffin Newman right. posted this video. Right. To, yeah. Right. He's a huge fast and yes. furious. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Let's do it. I'll fucking right? help. Yeah. yeah. I'll help in any way I can. I'll Great. play a car. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> you had me. You never had. Me. Yeah. You never <laughs> what a man. That's so good. Okay. Um, Griff, thanks for flying across the country to talk oh, about Hobbs and Shaw three months after the movie flying game. <laughs> yeah. I will say, you know what, though? The day we're recording this, I think it just came out on, like, digital. Oh, perfect. So it kind of times out where it's like we're- We're accidentally doing promotion for it. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. It's the one we didn't life. like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
what's what's and I, I just this is something I should ask you off mic, but that, uh, have you seen a movie recently that you just I I, I saw Parasite this weekend and I fucking love oh, it. Oh, and Dynasty Parasite. Yeah. Um, have you seen seen something recently or something coming out that you're excited about? Uh, yeah. I mean, I I saw two movies in a row that are completely maligned, both of which I kind of sheepishly liked. <laughs> Once upon a time in Hollywood and The Joker. Uh, Joker, uh, not a fan. <laughs> uh, uh, shout out my friend uh, Ben Ro- uh, Ben Rogers review. It was shot on film. Is the nicest thing I can say about it. <laughs> have you Have you seen it? No, not yet. I was very surprised by uh, how much I didn't like it for none of the reasons I thought I wouldn't like it. <laughs> like everything I was worried about, I was actually like, oh, that's not a problem. Right. And then the stuff you weren't thinking about. That I was thought the- they had in the bag <laughs> right. drove me insane. <laughs> that's funny. That's- like I just, I don't think there's anything actually very objectionable about it. Right, right. Other than it's That's lack just not of a good quality or insight into the human condition. But, but um, now, hot take Palooza, uh, big defender of Gemini Man. Oh, I haven't seen it yet, but I am looking forward to it. I mean, you gotta, you gotta meet it where it's at. Now, how do you do that? Do you go back and slap that on the Ang Lee uh, miniseries? We, we got one in the can. Oh, nice. I, I probably will have come out by the time that this, yeah. Oh, but So dope. yeah, we saw it, we saw it uh, in high frame rate. Uh, which is just like, it's, it's a thing. Like if you are in one of the only 14 cities in America <laughs> that have the high frame rate, you, you owe it to yourself to see it that way. And this is coming from someone who is like, uh, Billy Lynn is painful to look at. Right, right, Like right. it hurts. I'm the same way. I'm like, I loved seeing uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in yeah. film. And then uh, those fucking 3D movies all stress me out. Even, right, my, even just going to see Endgame, I was like, by the end of it, I'm like, my eyes and my asshole hurt. <laughs> there is a level of like, there are moments of just like such like visual transcendence. And I also kind of like how stripped down it is. Like it's it's the opposite of what you were saying with like, uh, Hobbs and Shaw needing to restate everything 17 times like Gemini man is just like what if we cut out all the stupid exposition down to it, the sparsest barest <laughs> yeah. you know like, yeah, like what if pretend- people don't know what's happening it's like who cares it's a guy fighting right, right. Uh, okay. the yeah. plot is so basic <laughs> right right and I think as like a Will Smith like meta narrative like him grappling with like his glory days his peak and yeah. sort of like this thing I didn't even really put together when we were recording our episode on it where it's like the movie is him sort of trying to tell a younger version of himself not to go into the same line of work as he did. Yeah. Five years after he tried and failed to make his son a movie star. Oh, And oh, seemingly yeah. had to be like, I let you fly free. Yeah, I don't sorry. know what's and good that, And Jaden seems to be, have found his absolute pocket. Right, his yeah. best possible <laughs> life. And what was the other movie, Malign, that you enjoyed? I liked Lucy in the Sky. Oh my God, I haven't seen it Which yet. I feel like is like the worst reviewed movie of the year. And I sat there and it was one of these, it always happens like once a year. I see one of these calamity movies that everyone tells me is just like not even worth seeing. And I sit there and I go like, what, what's wrong with this? Yeah. <laughs> totally on the wavelength with this. Uh, I, I don't know if I would recommend it. Right, right. I liked it. I don't but, know if anyone else. Right, for me, it was like, it was, it was kind of like Hobbs and Shy where I was like, this is the worst entry in the highly subjective stylized Natalie Portman has an emotional breakdown sub franchise (laughs) of like Jackie black Swan annihilation. (laughs) Oh shit. And I'm like, this is the shitty version of that. I still like it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Griff, let's do some plugs here. Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, blank check. 
check out the blank check pod. It, I, it's a podcast. I have so few podcasts that my friends actually do that I listen to, and that is one of them. It's Although the I am so off on my Misiaki stuff that I have to oh, fucking, yeah. 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 I have to go watch it all and yeah. catch up. I hadn't seen any of them really before doing the yeah, show. I think I saw yeah. Hal's Moving Castle yeah. like when everyone did, yeah. you know, and but I got to like go watch them all. But you were on our Heat episode, which is the longest episode we've ever done. Still got it. Thank you. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the longest episode you guys ever done. And we started two hours late. <laughs> I know everyone was late for that episode. Uh, recording on like a Sunday afternoon yeah, after and you, I- coming straight from a christening. <laughs> um, it was a highlight though. Yeah. Uh, um, so check out the blank check. Yeah. You guys have a Patreon now too. So jump over there yeah, and get it. And I'm on, uh, our cartoon president. Ooh, the uh, the Trump cartoon yeah. on Showtime. I play Jared Kushner. Oh, good casting. Uh, <laughs> real type casting. Uh, also, real conflict of interest. <laughs> yeah. Where I'm like, I want him to not get indicted. Right. I want to so keep working. I can keep working, but also I don't want him to roam free. To exist. Right. <laughs> I wish he was never born. Yeah. Uh, spin me off to a prison show, like to Oz. That's with, yeah. what I keep. I, I sometimes soft pitch that when I'm in the records. I'm like, if Jared got arrested, we could do like We a, keep him. Yeah, yeah, he's got to yeah, be around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the tick is still on Amazon. Very much still on Amazon for yeah. the time being. <laughs> I, I mean, I say that and it sounds like I have knowledge of something. I just believe that in three years, every streaming service is going to start removing stuff. Oh, I think there, there's going to be like the the crypt. You right. know what I mean? And it's they'll just be, be like, it never existed. Or, oh, we have a thousand titles in the crypt and for two extra dollars a month, you get to right. watch them. That's right. what I'm afraid right. of. Yeah, right. Like, uh, or just a new like 18th tier streaming services <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that just cover four shows <laughs> that are based around one production company. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, I got to get on the absolutely. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so on the plus. point gray uh, streaming service. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the ticket is still on Amazon. Very, yeah. very proud of it. Uh, uh, check that out. I, and I, also, uh, you're in this uh, YouTube uh, series on YouTube called Strong Island. Yes, that might, well, of course, my number one credit. Let's try to drive clicks there. <laughs> I watched them. They're still online. Really? And they have like forty to 80,000 views. I'm like, why? who's still watching wow. this? Are they just, they're on YouTube? Yeah, they're all on Under YouTube. Comedy Central's account? Yeah. Wow. I remember being on that set. I, I feel like I'm not mixing this up. Being on that set and people talking very excitedly about Go 90. That's, it might have been the time. That would have made sense. That it was like, well, this is, everything's going to migrate over to Go 90. <laughs> <laughs> it might have, the timing could have worked out that people had heard of Go 90 and we were all assuming that was the future. Because, like, talking about things that don't exist, I did a six episode, half hour TV show. We, we produced three hours of television where Amy Sedaris and Chris Elliott were the leads. That was a Go90 original and now just doesn't exist. <laughs> it's just gone. Just doesn't exist. Never existed. <laughs> I woke up at like 4.30 in the morning. I, it was. Drank coffee. It was a month of your life. Right. Commuted <laughs> for like an hour to a set in like Westchester. Yeah. yeah. That's when you start to be like, do I need to become a carpenter? Right. <laughs> like, right. So I can just see my fucking yeah. uh, uh, things. Just come out there. doesn't no no evidence of it ever having existed. Not yeah. visible on any platform. Um, Griff, thanks so much for coming Such on. Hi, mighty dude. This yeah. is so fun. Um, 
I'll see you in like a year and change. When yeah. We, uh, hopefully I'll see you again before that, but you'll be on High and Mighty again after Fast 9. I think out. 9 is, it's either April or May of 2020. Perfect. So it's like, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll buy my flight now to New York, so it's not that expensive. Perfect. And we'll get you on blank check again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll double dip. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Um. Griffin Newman, thanks for coming on. As always, uh, and you're at Griffy Nooms on Twitter, or is that I'm just a downtown nickname? Griffy Nooms is a nickname. I'm Griff Lightning <laughs> on Twitter, but also trying to not be on Twitter anymore. So Fair we enough. don't need to drive anyone. Yeah, there. don't don't look at my Twitter. Don't look yes. at Griff's Twitter, you fuck. But if I if I'm doing shows or anything, I will retweet them on that account to promote. Right. So, so if follow, you follow that follow if you want to just things keep I'm doing Christa. in New York City. Yeah. I'm at Gabrus on all social media. Check out my other podcast, Action Boys. Thanks for listening. Bye, shitheads. That was a HeadGum Podcast.